Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Donut Hour number 10. I'm Brad Henshaw. How's it going? So with us on the podcast today is Bottoms Up CEO and founder Josh Springer. Now, the story about how Bottoms Up became an idea, I think, is bananas. Josh is very open and honest about a very public mistake that he made when he was younger. But what's fascinating about that is that if it were not for him making this error in judgment, this business might not have ever existed. What's inspirational is that he was at rock bottom, and instead of feeling sorry for himself or woe is me, he took that energy and he put it into the makings of what it is now, Bottoms Up. Quick side note, this podcast has some foul language in it, so if you're sensitive to that, well, you've been warned. Uh, Josh is a super nice guy. I had a great conversation with him. I hope you enjoy it too. So everybody, here he is, Josh Springer. I am sitting here with my buddy, CEO, founder of Bottoms Up, Josh Springer. We're at his office. Hey, man, thank you so much for doing this. That's loud. Is that pretty loud? Oh, the, uh, the cup <laughs> That's there? That's amazing. Yeah, it, I'm doing it, great. It, it picks it up great. well. Good, man. I know, I know you're a busy guy. Uh, when, I, when I walked in here, you were hard at work uh, welding away at something. Yes, um, I'm welding. Uh, I'm welding tap displays, the thing that holds the beer branding okay. above our dispensers because they... Without them, they just look like little ovens. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> like a street vendor oven. Okay. So <laughs> or <well>, stovetop. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me let me start with this because uh, because I'm fascinated behind uh, the person uh, that started this business. So where'd you grow up, man? Uh, so I grew up on the West Coast. I grew up in uh, Aberdeen, Washington. Okay. The exact same hometown as Kurt Cobain. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's my claim to fame. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Nirvana. Yeah. And where did you go to school? Uh, Aberdeen High School. Uh, Aberdeen High School? Yeah. Okay. I'm a bobcat. Go bobcats. How does, how does Bottoms Up, first of all, what, uh, for our listeners who don't know, and, and when I I've talked to my friends and I said, hey, I'm, I, I know the uh, uh, CEO of Bottoms Up, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, man, that's awesome. So a lot of people know what this is. But for those who don't, what, what is Bottoms so Up? So Bottoms Up is a, uh, well, a bottom-filling beer dispenser. So it fills the glass of beer through the bottom of the glass. The glass has a... Um, metal ring embedded in the bottom of the glass or disposable cup, whatever it is, the bottom of the vessel uh, would make many. And then a magnet sticks to that metal ring and seals the bottom of it. Essentially, it is a lid in the bottom of a glass, right? You put it on the dispenser, it uh, uh, opens the lid, it separates the magnet from the metal ring, beer goes into the glass via the nozzle, and uh, fills up, stops on its own, and it'll sit there waiting for you to get back to it. That's pretty ingenious that's that's awesome now it's incredible. let me i'm, I'm going to start with this i'm going to backtrack a little bit because i think it's important to how you got to where you were at right now um what happened with the swat team entering your house <laughs> so that's a that's a long story so um i was uh i was destined for other things right i wasn't supposed to be doing this by any means um i wanted to you know i wanted the wife and the the kids and the the house with the picket fence and the big garage sure. where I could work on my projects. Yeah. And, um, I was working for a sign company uh, in Aberdeen, Washington. We'll say it's close by anyway. Um, I just kind of a doing odd jobs. Like I used to be an electrician. I'm a sheet metal fabricator. Uh, I started my career as a graphic designer. Kind of a jack of all trades. Like I can do a lot of different things, which has been helpful with this endeavor. But um, I, uh, let's see, so 
I decided that it was time to propose to my girlfriend, okay. right? I'm a tremendous romantic, a uh, huge romantic, and I wanted to surprise her with a surprise trip to Cabo San Lucas. I was going to propose on Lover's Beach. Uh-huh. I started planning this. Oh, and it was going to be a surprise. Right. Right. And I was going to surprise her with this uh, the day before. Um, and <laughs> I surprised her with a bunch of other stuff instead. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I... Um, I was trying to save for this in secret, and I didn't realize how hard that would be, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I got a call. I was already, I was already a workaholic. I was already, uh, I was already working. You know, I'd get off work and I'd work in my own sign shop in my own garage, and I would do sheet metal work for my soon-to-be father-in-law, and I'd pick up uh, side jobs doing electrical work for people. Just whatever I could get my hands on. I just like to stay busy, um, and I love it. Always been that way. And um, saving for this proposal got really hard because all that extra money, all that side money I was making, I didn't realize how much it impacted mm-hmm. my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And now I was trying to save it. And I'm pretty positive, I'm pretty positive my girlfriend was like, pretty sure he's cheating on me. <laughs> like it, there was like, there was tension at times. Like where's all this extra money going? Oh, I, know no. you're, I know you're somewhere doing something. Why isn't there money coming in from it? Cause you say you're working. So um, I, uh, I got a call from my uncle one day, and he said, "I will. I, I'd like you to come mow my lawn." He knew what I was trying to do, right? right. He knew that I was uh, trying to save for this proposal, and I'm like, "Man, I'm, I'm, I'm making $150 an hour working on this side. I mean, just ballpark, right? Mm-hmm. Working on this side project in my garage mm-hmm. that I'm doing for myself. I'm, I'm not going to come mow your lawn. I'm thinking he's going to pay me 10 bucks to mow his tiny lawn." He's like, I'll give you 50 bucks to mow my lawn. I'm like, I'll be right there. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. I, uh, I go right, it's a, it was a tiny lawn, like 50 bucks was way too much money. I thought it was just being nice. It was. Um, and I, uh, he continues to give me these odd jobs, paying me quite a bit of money to do little stupid stuff, paid me a hundred bucks to wire in his hot tub, took a half hour, like, you know, good, good, good money. And uh, he, he was on unemployment. Okay. And uh, all of this, like, he's having me do all this stuff to his house, like put up flat screen TVs, uh, put in the hot tub, new <laughs> cars are showing up, um, the, the gara- a new garage goes up, a new big shop goes up. Um, and I'm like, hey, what? Huh? What you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm making steroids. And I'm like, <laughs> that's awesome, man. That is so cool. That's the coolest thing ever. And we just go about it, and I'm doing these odd jobs. And one day I'm at his house, and I'm working on his bathroom, uh, helping him remodel it. And he's somewhere making steroids, and he comes in in a rush, and he uh, he's like, "Hey, I really, I really need your help with a shipment." And I'm like, "Ah, eh, you oh, know, yeah. it's cool that you're doing it. I like that you're giving me steroids. That's <laughs> awesome." But. Um, I don't really want to be involved. Right. And almost before I could finish the sentence, he says, I'll give you $400 for 30 minutes of your time. And I'm like, where are we going? Sure. <laughs> you know, sure. like that's, that's how easy it is to get sucked into something like that. And also steroids don't sound that illegal when you say it in your head. Turns out they are. Very much very so. Very much so illegal. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, it doesn't sound like crack though. You know, like if he was like, you want to help me make crack? I'd be like, no. Mm, no, it doesn't sound good Not even for $400. It doesn't sound appealing. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I, uh, well, I also don't do crack, but, um, Good. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I go do that and, uh, all of a sudden I had a lot of money real fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it became yeah. a lot easier to save money in secret because I was 
you know, getting, I, I could say that I was going to work on a side project for my uncle and I could show the hundred dollars that I got for the time, but really I had, you know, 500 in my pocket, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it got, it, it made it a lot easier to save that money. Uh, save the money, pulled off the proposal, went great. Um, get back, I help him a couple more times and uh, he offers me a full-time job. He's mm -hmm. like, hey, I'll pay you $10,000 a month cash uh, under the table, uh, obviously. <laughs> right. And uh, I'm like, but but you have to work for me full time. That was the caveat. You have mm -hmm. to work for mm -hmm. me full time. You have to quit your job. I'm like, mm, no, I'm out. This is you know, it was fun. It yeah. was great while it lasted. It's too much. Thanks for your help. Too much. I well, I you know, I I wanted I wanted the mm -hmm. I wanted the American life. Right. 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 I had uh, I'd gone down and I'd passed the test to become a lineman in California. We were going to move down to California and be closer to our brother. Um, the, that was going to be a great job as well as, uh, you know, all the other side stuff I could do down there. Um, anyway, say no. He decides he's going to open a restaurant, I'm assuming, to launder this cash he's got from, um, I'm not assuming, that's what, what he's, he's going to do. Yes. <laughs> he starts opening this restaurant, and uh, I continue, I'm, we're friends, I mean, I'm around all the time. Uh, I'm help, you know, helping him with all the same stuff. Well, I've he's family. Been. Yeah, yeah, he's family. I'd, yeah. And I'm just... I'm just not helping him make steroids, thinking that's sufficient. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, he says he quits making steroids. I don't know. I don't know the details of this. Um, I'm assuming he didn't. But they, uh, they, it was too late. The feds had already started watching him. Yeah. Um, but he moves his operation or quits. One of the two. Um, and I had picked up a side project, making a sign for a wealthy business owner um, in a nearby town for an entryway for his house. He wanted this really cool entryway with his family name on the sign. Um, it was pretty awesome. But I'm working on this pretty high-end project in my garage at weird hours. Like mm -hmm. I would get off work at five and I'd work on the thing till two in the morning. The feds know that we're friends. I don't have any windows in my garage. Start to add this up. Right. They think I'm the one making it. Yeah, they think they I'm think doing it's something. Suspicious to them. Yeah. yeah. It's, it was. I mean, yeah. in hindsight, it, yeah. it was suspicious. Um, so, uh, two days before my wedding, they decide to uh, they they pull the raid, the largest raid and bust in U.S. history, Operation Raw Deal. They hit my house the hardest. Um, full blown SWAT team comes roll. So here's the story. Here's so you, you had a bachelor party, and or well, I had I had a bachelor party, but I, it was a disappointing bachelor party. Okay. In that, it was fun, but a lot of my friends couldn't make it, right? Right. And I guess this is a key piece of the story. A lot of my friends couldn't make it. And one of my friends says, "Don't worry, Josh. We'll come get you SWAT team style and take you on another bachelor party." And this friend is notoriously bad at giving up secrets, but I didn't think anything of it at the time. Uh -huh. I just went about, I'm like, yeah, whatever, man, and just went about whatever we were doing. Right. Didn't think, didn't cross my mind. But when, um, so my fiance gets up and she says, hey babe, I'm gonna take the flowers from the back of your truck, put them in the back of my car, take them out to my mom's house for the wedding. I'm like, okay babe, see you later. It's early, like it's like six o'clock in the morning. She leaves the house, but she leaves the door ajar, right? So. Um, and she's, as far as I know, gone. Right. Turns out she was handcuffed in the back of the cop car. <laughs> but um, they, uh, so they come barging in the house. There's full team, uh, shields, uh, helmets, guns, like every, like full, just like on TV. And uh, I have, also, I also have a friend that collects 
SWAT team gear. Total wacko. Right. Total nut job. He's got all the gear. I'm like, dude, what? he wanted to be a bounty hunter and just <laughs> stupid stuff, right? So, but this is the this is what gets connected in my brain. So they come barging yeah. into yeah. my house, and I'm half awake, sitting on the edge of my bed, and they say, "Put your hands up," and I turn around and I go, "Man," <laughs> and they say, "Put your hands up now." And I wave him off again. I'm like, whatever, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> and they say, put your fucking hands up now. And I go, oh. well, if you're going to be that serious about oh it. Oh, my God. And I'm waving my hands like yeah. this, smiling like an idiot. Yeah. And they say, come around the bed. So I get halfway around the bed. I get a little closer. And I'm like, I don't recognize anybody. Because oh I thought I saw one of my friends under the helmets. Yeah. And uh, I don't recognize anybody. Um my friends must have hired actors. This is great. I got the best friends in the whole wide world. And I get all the way around the bed, and one of the cops slaps me in the face. <laughs> and he says, keep smiling, asshole, or something to that effect. Anyway, and I'm like, is this for real? And he's like, yeah, what the fuck did you think it was? And I said, I thought it was my bachelor party. <laughs> and they literally hit the ground laughing. One of them was laughing so fucking hard that he stumbled down my front steps. And oh I, my God. Now, now I hear the radio chatter. Uh-huh. I can hear my, my, uh-huh. uh, my now ex-wife out in the back of the cop car. She's screaming, you think this is fucking funny, motherfuckers? Oh, you think this is funny? You got the wrong house. And I'm like... They got the right house, <laughs> you know, because I hear I hear uh, my uncle's name over the radio. Uh-huh. I, you know, I just it all co- starts to come uh-huh. together. I'm like, oh shit, right? This is this is real. Yeah. And um, they said, tell us everything you know, or we're gonna make sure you don't get married in two days. And I didn't I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, just a word of advice to to everybody or anybody out there if they're ever in this situation: shut the fuck up, don't say anything. In hindsight, I'm glad I did say something because it put me where I am now. But I, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had basically admitted to knowing about it. Um, admitting to knowing about it made me as guilty as the right as the lead guy. The right? conspiracy, conspiracy charge. charge. Yeah, yeah. Um, a conspiracy charge is uh, they brought about to bring down the mob. Makes sense. Whatever. So. Um, I get I get booked because I had I did have steroids on me so um, uh, <laughs> they they uh, they brought this bag of steroids that was in the glove box of the car that I had in the garage an old vintage car mm-hmm. uh, that was my hiding spot and uh, <laughs> they're like this is a lot of steroids are you sure you're not selling them and I'm like that's not, not a, a lot, lot of steroids, steroids. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> Maybe not the right thing to say. I don't know. Um, but it wasn't. It, well, I've seen garbage cans full of steroids. Wow. This was just a little bag. Wow. Um, yeah, so I, um, they booked me. I uh, I go up to county, get which was a whole th- thing that I'd never been through. This is the first time I've ever been arrested. I like to do things in a big way. Sure. Right? Well, yeah, um, you did. I, I get back, and they had just shredded the house, like in a, in almost, in hindsight, in a comical Fashion, you know the cartoons where you open the door. They open the door, and all the stuff like just falls out. Falls out of the closet. Yeah, like a whole house worth of. Con- <laughs> they had taken everything in my house, and they had managed to fit it all in the bathroom. That's pretty impressive. It was impressive. Like I think they were doing it to be dicks, but hey, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It was comical. Um, not funny at the time. Funny now. Um, anyway, so I get married, right? That was awkward. Yeah. Get married, go through that. Um, everybody's like, what's wrong with Sarah? 
Because <laughs> the only people that knew about it were my very closest friends and family. Wow. Immediate family, not even mm-hmm. aunts and uncles mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, anyway, I, uh, we get through all that. And I'm the eternal optimist, right? I'm like, you know, it's no big deal. I didn't, you know, it's only helped with a couple shipments, whatever. Um, and uh, <laughs> we are, we're at Seattle Tacoma International Airport getting ready to go on our honeymoon that Monday. So that happened, the whole thing happened, I think, on a Thursday. Getting married on Saturday. Sunday happens. Monday, we're sitting at the airport getting ready to go to uh, Bermuda for um, our honeymoon. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting there very early in the morning, and I'm watching the TVs, and I'm like, holy shit. My name is on the TV. Like, it's it's on the front page of every newspaper in the country. It is on, it's headline news on every news channel in the country. Operation Raw Deal, Rested in Correlation, Ray Ross, Jeff Thompson, Josh Springer. There were wow. loads of people involved in this, loads of them, and they picked our three names. <laughs> our three names, I was on ESPN, like, it was nuts, man. Um, my phone just blow. my phone starts ringing, blows yeah, up. Yeah. Um, I got my, my, my aunt, uh, who I love very much, calls me. She's like, are you a drug dealer? <laughs> I'm like, no, kind of. I don't know. Like, I, don't, I said no uh, profusely at the time. I don't know what I, I don't know. Um, so anyway, uh, get back from the honeymoon, and everything's kind of blown over. It was really nice. I mean, it was nice that I got to turn my phone off, get on that airplane, and not be in contact yeah, with Yeah, shut anybody. the outside world off for yeah, a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, it came back, and it had it kind of blown over. Um, I get, about two weeks later, I get a call from my attorney, and he says, hey, you gotta come to town. I, I, got, I got some bad news. Uh, just get here. He wouldn't tell me anything over the phone. I get there, and he's got this just stack of paperwork, and he's like, <laughs> sends it across the table. He's like, they got you on a conspiracy charge you're looking at five years in prison. And I'm like, what? No, you don't know what you're doing. So I, just a small, t- I'm from a tiny town, right? All right. Uh, small town attorney, I'm like, this guy doesn't know what he's. Now screw this guy. Screw this guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I said fuck you a couple times in my head. I uh, didn't to his face. And I, <laughs> very nice guy. I um, grabbed that paperwork and said, you know, all, with all due respect, I'm gonna get a, a good attorney right. and fight this, right? right? So I mortgaged my house. I took $26,000, I got the best attorney I could buy with that money, sent them the retainer, sent them the paperwork, he calls me up and he says, they got you on a conspiracy charge, you're looking at five years in prison. (laughs) I'm like, are you you kidding me? You're fucked. I'm fucked, there's nothing I can do. All you can do is cooperate. Um, So uh, I went and went for the interview where they like get all the information Mm -hmm. from you. I didn't. I didn't have a lot to tell them. I learned a lot from them. Apparently, it was a much bigger deal, obviously, than I ever thought it was. Right. Because in your mind, you're just helping out your uncle. You're just trying to get some quick cash. In, in my to mind, save up for. In my mind, yeah. my wacky uncle is has this side business of making steroids. I didn't realize it was to that magnitude. Global. Wow. Yeah. Like wow. Countries. Like there were countries. Like, and they did this. I don't know what it's called. A, a sting hit. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Raid. Mm-hmm. All at once. Everyone in the country simultaneously, all, all the same wow. time. Um, I mean, you can Google it. Operation Raw Deal, largest steroid bust in U.S. history, and that was that time. I don't know if there's been a bigger one since. Maybe I hope to hold the record, but whatever. <laughs> um, I listen to me taking all the credit. It was all my uncle's uh, doing. Um, anyway, I am five years in prison. That's that's a long time. Yeah, I'm too cute for that. 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose everything. I'm gonna lose my house. I'm gonna lose my wife. I'm gonna lose my job. Um, already lost the opportunity to go to California to be a lineman. Um, I I'm about as low as you can get, right? And uh, so we do the <laughs> do the sentencing guideline uh, interview. Mm-hmm. I'd already pled guilty. I'd gone through all that stuff. Um, get the sentencing guideline, do the sentencing guideline interview. Another word of advice to everyone listening, if you do ever have to do a sentencing guideline interview, my attorney is an idiot. He told me to be completely honest. No, you you lie. <laughs> you lie in that interview. If they ask you if you do any drugs, you don't say I smoke, smoke pot occasionally. <laughs> you don't. Uh, you also say you don't drink at all. I just don't drink. Um, they don't know. Uh, but I got, when I, the, the guideline came back, the other was like, uh, they had, Recommended I go to rehab, uh, all this, all this extra stuff. Um, like, well, he's obviously an addict if he does it occasionally. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and they um, they had recommended 15 months in prison, and that's a lot better than five years, but it's still it's still steep, steep. It's yeah. still a long time. Um, I'm still it's still enough time that I'm gonna lose my job, lose my house, lose everything that I've worked mm. my 26 year old, no, 25 year old life to get. Um, and I'm at, just at the absolute low. And I, uh, I so I had a, I got, got that uh, sentencing guideline. I ended up, and rightfully so, uh, ended up getting in like a knockdown, drag out, not literally figuratively fight with my now ex-wife. I mean, yeah. we were just, it was awful. And it was, I mean, it was a tense time. Um, but I go out to my garage shed whatever it is tiny little building next to my house and i'm i'm not a spiritual person at all uh but you know when you're at a low my mom passed away when i was really little Mm -hmm. and uh i'm like hey if you're out there looking over me in any way shape or form um now a little help now now would be a good time yeah and it was uh it was it was two or three days later that i was at my dad's birthday party and i had the daydream for bottoms up and I stood up at the table, I stopped every single conversation, and I said, hey, you guys know what would be cool? A pitcher of beer that fills up through the bottom. And everybody else is like, sit down and have another margarita. <laughs> and my dad, we're at a Mexican restaurant, did I say that? Um, <laughs> my dad, he said, um, yeah, that'd be cool, but if it could be done, somebody would have already come up with it. Somebody would have already done it. Yeah. And I heard, you can't do it, because right. I knew that nobody would come up with it, right? Uh, or it can't be done, whatever, challenge accepted. Also, this was at a time where they were, I mean, they were still calling and harassing pretty regularly. Like, this is the, that interview was not the, the interview where, you know, they sit you down and tell us what you know. It's not the end of it. They call you and they, on a regular basis, we know you know more. We know you know yeah, what more. Else? What, what else? What else do you know? Yeah. We're going to hook you to a polygraph. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care if you know more or not. That is one of the most stressful things anybody could ever go through. We're going to come back. We're going to cut up the floorboards at your house. What? Like, what? You've you've already been through my house, man. Um, so very very stressful. Um, I needed something to focus my attention on, and this problem that didn't need to be solved was the perfect candidate, right? Mm-hmm. So I focused a, a ridiculous amount of attention on it because I needed to. I needed that escape, and I figured it out. I figured out how to do it. I got called my dad. I actually called my dad up two days later and I said, Hey, I got the perfect name. I'm going to call the Bottoms Up Beer Dispenser. And he said, 
that's a great name. Have you figured out how to do it? I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Hang up. Um, but then another two days went past, and I did. I figured out how to do it. And got to call him up and be like, hey, I figured it out. Come check this out. So uh, he drove up to my house. He's like, holy shit, you did figure it out. This is crazy. Um, so uh, we had I had that first prototype. And uh, I end up, so I end up getting sentenced. And uh, sorry, I'm bouncing all over the no, place. No, no, it's fine. I end up getting sentenced. And I, uh, what I ended up with, I didn't, I didn't do time. I'm sitting, I'm sitting there, uh, Judge John A. Houston. I will owe him a debt for the rest of my life. Uh, by the end of this, I ended up, the prosecuting attorney uh, was even like, dumb kid, wrong time, wrong place. Made it, made it, idiotic made a, error. Made it, yeah. Huge error, good kid. Like I went out and got forty-five letters of character yeah. from all walks of life, anybody yeah. I'd ever done business with, friends, family, um, and uh, had handed him in. And he's like, "Kids, kids, been through enough. We could probably just let him go." And the judge goes, "Nah, oh, <laughs> we're not gonna do that." My heart sinks. And he says, "Let's just go with time served." And I knew what that was because I'd I'd been researching like everything I could possibly get, right? Maybe so you're a little versed crazy. in it. Yeah. You're a little versed in the time served. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> um, which was for the two hours I spent in county and uh, three months house arrest. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. Yeah, manageable. I yeah. can do this. Yeah. Um, house arrest was the best thing that ever happened to me, hands down, bar none. No contest. If I hadn't got that sentencing, we wouldn't be sitting in this room today talking about what we're talking about. Because uh, the company that I worked for had landed a big contract converting uh, gas station branding. It was either Texaco's to the Shell stations or, or Shell's to Texaco's. I don't remember. But um, we it was all over the state. And I would have ran one of the road crews yeah. doing, doing these jobs. Yeah. And I couldn't. I had to be home by 5 every day. And from five o'clock till whenever in the morning, I would work on Bottoms Up. Actually, uh, one of the co-founders of the company that helped start it, Mike Price, he actually moved from uh, Gresham, Oregon, up to Montesano, Washington, where I was living, to be my legs when I was stuck at home. Wow. Right? So, and it had, it had the support of all, I mean, just shitloads of my friends. Um, it, was, it was amazing. It was really cool to see it all come together. But that, that three months, allowed me to just work on it nonstop. And uh, we were, we had the opportunity to do our first public debut uh, of Bottoms Up for Red Hook Brewery in Woodenville, Washington. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have anything. We had the, we had a pitcher filler and we had one disposable cup prototype. And that was it. I had proven that a refrigerator magnet would hold the thing shut. And that's what that disposable prototype was. And we didn't have anything else. And uh, I, we had reached out to Red Hook Brewery because their slogan was to defy ordinary. And we were looking for somebody to, I don't wanna say scam, that seems tough, but we needed money to build the next prototype. Yeah. We yeah. needed money to build the disposable, uh, the disposable cup dispenser. We didn't have any money. Um, <laughs> we had like $5,000, which it, it felt like a lot at the time. It's, it's nothing. Um, we, uh, so Mike gets an email from them saying, it'd be cool to do this Guinness World Record thing that you guys want to do. We're very interested, but we have a movie night every week in the summer, and the beer line was 45 minutes long at the one last night. Mm -hmm. Can you bring up your contraption just to our movie night? to Chop down the weight. Yeah, chop yeah. down the weight of the movie, and actually use it in a real-world environment? Yeah. 
Um, and he sends me this email, and I'm like, ah, you know, uh, we didn't have anything. Can't do it. Uh, went home, and I'm telling my um, wife about it, and she said, well, well, could you could you do it? I'm like, yeah, I'd have to take the week off work, and you know, we did spend the rest all the, all our money. And she's like, well, let's let's do it. You know, nicest, ah. nicest thing she's ever done. And to her uh, credit, yeah, I guess. <laughs> the um, no, whatever. Uh, we won't go down that road. Uh, so I uh, I did. I took the week off work, um, and so it was another one. Was we tell ourselves that there are signs that you should do things, right? Right. There was a sign that we should do this because the day of the event is when I got to cut my ankle bracelet off. I wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise. Amazing. So yeah. we worked uh, 24, well not seven, 24, six, uh, for up until the next week and we built the very first disposable prototype which is sitting out in our lobby. I can show it to you after the interview. Um, and they called us up that day and they said, ah man, the event rained out. We don't need you mm -hmm. to come up. Mm -hmm. um, and we sent them a video of, uh, of the very first beer filling up on it. And they said, I don't know what we just saw, but absolutely you can come up. Basically, we were saying, you know, if we dispense one beer, it'll be, it'll be a success. We'll consider it a success. And they said, yeah, come on. Come on up. Yeah. Um, went up. And uh, that was that night at midnight. I cut off. Actually, I think I waited till 1 in the morning just to be They're sure. Just extra careful. And I cut my ankle bracelet <laughs> off. Uh, we went up and did the, the the event. I put in my two weeks notice, and I've been doing this ever since. So. Man, that that's an amazing story. That's yeah. that's incredible, and it's uh, it's inspirational too. That you know, just because someone messes up, and I mean you were facing. I mean you had the odds against you. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then you st you still kept going, and you and you kept after it, and you had. I mean when you're at like you were saying uh, when we were talking earlier, when you're at bottom, you've got nowhere else to go but up. But you took the initiative to do something with that energy. It's either sit there and feel fucking sorry for yourself or go and then put your energy towards something and do it. You said you're a workaholic. Where do you, where do you get that uh, drive from? I, where, where does that come from? It's natural. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I... You should meet my sister. Like she is pretty straight edge, and she is intense to be around because yeah. she's so driven and so uh, she's just hyper hyper driven. If I didn't drink, I'm actually if I don't if I don't drink, I'm just like that. It's weird. <laughs> and my friends are like, please, please drink. Re reel it back a little <laughs> please bit. Please have yeah. a beer. Yeah, <laughs> please. Um, so uh, it, I don't know. It's just always been there. Um, I don't know genetics. I, I guess. Sure, sure. Yeah. What what made you I want to move this business from uh, Washington State to Indianapolis. Uh, so the short answer is logistics. Um, get into the longer answer is uh, the cost of living is low here. Comparatively, cost of space to do business in is lower sure. here. Um, we we had grown the business to the point where so it went it went like this. It went shed next to my house, two car garage at my very my best friend's dad's house. Uh, and then a barn in the middle of a field, and we'd outgrown the barn, right? Yeah. And it was, it was either, it, we were shipping everything from the Midwest all the way to the West Coast to ship it back across the country right. for the, I mean, for right. the majority of it. Yeah, right? so that makes sense. We sat down in front of a map and we put pins in all of our suppliers, mm -hmm. and we put pins in our biggest customers, 
and it was either going to be um, South Chicago, Indianapolis, St. Louis. I don't know why Cincinnati wasn't on that, but those were the three that mm. popped to us. Um, what really solidified the deal is uh, another one of those signs, right? So I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. I like his story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm in, I'm in an airplane, and I'm flying around to these vendors trying to talk them into making product for making a cup with a hole in it. Right, so I've been traversing the country doing this. Spent a lot of time on airplanes, and a new edition of the Sky Magazine on Delta had come out and had Jay Z on the cover. I'm like, oh, sweet! Read the Jay Z article. I flip the page to the end of the article, and it has an expose on why Indianapolis is a good place to do business. And I'm like, well, that's it. That's Indy. Indianapolis. It's gonna be <laughs> Indy. And then I came here uh, to check it out, and. Uh, they were getting ready for the Super Bowl. Ah, yeah. So I, I got catfished a little bit. Yeah. Just the scope. Yeah. But I still love it here. Um, no, it was it was amazing. I'm like, wow, all this all these new roads, all this new construction, like the pavement everywhere was just pristine. Yeah. It this place look, is perfect. Yeah, it doesn't look like Armageddon like it does now, <laughs> you know. Uh, we had German partners. So the roads in Germany are perfect, right? Mm-hmm. A, a, a sign for, I, we actually, <laughs> when I was over there, I'm like, what does this sign mean? They're like, that means rough road. And I was like, I was trying to think back in my memory. There was just a seam in the pavement there. And that meant rough road. Mm-hmm. They came over to tour here. We got out, we took them, I took them to a restaurant, right? They get out of the car and they're like, holy shit. Their eyes were this big. They're like, what? It's like we're off-roading here. <laughs> it's insane. Um, and I, it's, it is, it's insane. Um, but anyway, what we're talking about, oh, why we moved here. That was it. Logistics is the short answer. Cost of living, logistics, pretty much it. Well, we'll take you. We're glad to have you. I'm glad to call you a buddy. Yeah. Uh, I love it here. I, I love Indianapolis a lot. A lot of people are like, why Indianapolis? And they say it like that. And I'm like, you don't know what you have. Yeah. You know, I've been, I've been all, I've been, I think I've been in all 50 states. This is a great place to be, you know, if, unless you really love the mountains and really love you know that type of thing. This is a really great place to be. Right, right. And I lived in Los Angeles for a few years, and I, when I came back to Indy, I'm like, this, this is home. This yeah. is, you know, I, we can get around and not be stuck on the 405 or anything like that for two hours. That's another thing. People have no idea what traffic. People no. are complaining about traffic here. No. You're like, fuck you, dude. No, you're, no. Try to leave Seattle on a Friday at four <laughs> o'clock, and then we'll talk. Like, just <laughs> standing still, losing your mind. What is the best piece of advice that you were given while kind of starting or even during this uh, uh, this phase of business, getting it, getting it up and going <sighs> or maintaining it? Um, that's an adventure. Uh, best piece of advice. Man, I don't know. There's been so much of it. Um, well, let me rephrase it then a little bit. Has, has there sure. been like a, a mentor or anybody that you've kind of you've kind of looked at or gone to as kind of an example? Then, um, no, no, <laughs> uh, no. I take influence from a lot of people, so that's where the hesitation here coming from. It's not by any means me thinking I did it all on my own. Um, I, I mean. Uh, Taiichi Ono of Toyota, uh, Paul Akers of FastCab, our lead investor, Randy Love. Um, I mean, my dad in some instances, and I mean, he has a great work ethic and, um, and drive. He's always been self-employed. Uh, shoot, man, the list goes, uh, Guy Kawasaki, um, 
man, Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, the, the well, what, list what, is what is it about those long. guys that that you admire? What what are, what are the traits in that that you admire? Um, I don't. So I, I'm going to kind of circumvent that exact question. Um, there. So taking a business from an idea out of a garage to where we are now. Yeah. 26,600 square feet, shipped to 43 countries last year. Wow. Um, should do $7 million in business this year, and it's on a, a huge upswing. Um, takes a lot of bending and moving, and a lot of different advice from a lot of different people at very different times. Right. You, it's right. not, it's not the same thing. It's not, a, it's not at all linear. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. ball of string. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, prob I mean, probably the biggest shift we've gotten and uh, biggest advice. <laughs> that's not even the right way to state that. Uh, Paul Akers uh, of of FastCap in Bellingham, Washington has probably been one of the biggest influences or biggest change agents uh, of what we do here because he introduced me to something called lean. Um, lean put simply is the pursuit of perfection through continuous improvement. Um, and we practice it religiously here. It's mm -hmm. what Toyota's founded on. Um, there's a lot of great companies that uh, operate on the principles of lean. Um, it's very hard to explain, but put simply, it's the pursuit of perfection through continuous improvement and that everything can always be a little bit better. Uh, and on, on that are the, I mean, blame the, blame the process, not the person. Uh, the second you start telling yourself that, it alleviates so much stress, it's not even funny. It's like, oh, well, it's, the process is messed up, not the person isn't an asshole. They right. don't want to do a bad job, right. but the process is, is messed up. So. Um, yeah, those were really tough questions to answer. I'm not sure even sure I did. <laughs> no, no, you did. Well, the reason why I ask it, and it's one because I know people are listening that are uh, that are small business owners that are, are just trying to get a business off the ground. That are, you know, I'm sure they're curious or they're just they're just scratching to find to find their way. What what can I do? And the second reason, selfishly, for me, for that reason, for uh, this podcast and for. Um, um, you know my pursuit of which uh, I hope to get back into into stand up comedy. So try to try oh, that's to. That's something we need to talk about. Oh, we're going to. We're, we're definitely <laughs> going to. And I and I know we're uh, we're uh, you're we limited can push on time. It just a little bit. But. So, uh, but yeah. So I I find it fascinating um, for me, uh, business owners and, and and the steps that they take and, and the advice that they take and kind of the the daily so, traits. So some advice is just start. Like if I were to give anybody, everybody I talk to that has a good idea, everybody's got a good idea that they uh, that they want to do or this project that they want to do or it it's not going to start itself. Right. Just start and adjust, and then adjust, and then adjust. But the key thing is you you have to start. You have to take that first step. And uh, we have a saying around here: uh, fail forward. We fail forward every single day. Nobody in this building is in trouble in any way, shape, or form if they are working within the guidelines that we've set out and they fail because they're trying to improve their environment. We actually, it's a very unique culture here um, in that everybody's required to spend 45 minutes of their day improving their environment for the better. And it can be personal. It's more detailed than that, but it can be personal, 
uh, or work related, it doesn't matter. We feel that if you have a good personal life, you're gonna have a good work life. So whatever you're doing, and you can, if you can explain how it's improved your life or made the situation or process better based on the criteria we set have forth, yeah. set forth, then it's fine. Um, but yeah, so just start, just start. Quit. What are you waiting for? Yeah, and, and I think what some people are afraid of, and it's and it's certainly uh, this case for me, uh, is just the notion of, of failure and not wanting to be seen as a failure, and and that's and that's a big hump to start. You know, I've been doing you know performing arts since mm-hmm. I was a kid and comedy, and, and starting this podcast is was even scary for me. Yeah, that's how I met you, uh, stand up comedy through my girlfriend Nikki. Right? Yeah, yeah, and, and so you know, I, and I'm in I'm in law enforcement, mm-hmm. and you know, people are going to listen to this, and I don't want them to to think, man, what the hell is Brad doing? You know what, what's what's going on? He's with hanging them? out with convicted felons <laughs> as a law enforcement officer. What's wrong with this guy? No, it's. But I I think that I think that answers I think that answers that. I, it's just if you have something that you want to do, mm-hmm. just simply start it and and fail forward and have that focus. Well, just come to terms with the fact that you're gonna fail. Yeah. I mean, you're, it is. It's gonna happen. It's absolutely. Never, we we set ourselves up for failure every day here. Every single day, something. We fail at something, but I guarantee you, we're, it's just, it's such a, once you accept that, it is game changing, like absolutely game changing, like that you're okay with the failure and you're, the first attempt is not going to be right. Once you accept that, it's, I mean, it's so liberating. It's not even funny. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I got to ask you one more question and I want to, I want to talk about comedy for just a minute. Um, it's, uh. How did you, what, once you made your first like big uh, sale, of uh, whether it to a uh, arena or, or whatever, what what was that feeling like? And I'm just curious, what what did you do to just to celebrate? I mean, oh, um, I mean that had to have been very rewarding. So that n- never happened. That never happened. Um, I mean, it happened, but it didn't happen like that. It. So we, our first real sale was to UNLV, okay. uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Uh, we agreed to sell, our cup cost is a big issue for people. They don't take into consideration beer waste, so they just compare the actual cost of the cup. They said, if you sell us cups on par with our current cups, we'll go ahead and try the system for the Supercross finals. We ran that stadium out of beer. Wow. With one station, with one station, we ran that entire facility out of draft beer. It was insane. Absolutely insane. There's a picture somewhere of just this wall of kegs. And we went through it. We ran out of beer two hours before the event was over. So who knows how much we could have sold for them. They uh, they said, okay, cool. Let's do the main bar at the Thomas and Mack Center. We were at the Silver Dome. It was two different venues. Um, and we're like, okay. We had sold them something that didn't exist. Like, we, we literally all we had was a picture of it the ones that we used to run the stadium out of draft beer were prototypes built in a garage and we're like oh yeah we can totally do that <laughs> so they ended up getting like just all this i mean in hindsight lies we weren't lying at the time but knowing what i know now oh my god we were full of shit so full of shit and we just like oh yeah we we know i mean we were the foremost experts on bottom filling beer well, yeah Right? Sure. So, you know, whatever. But I just look back at it and I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God, Sean. Either you're a saint or you're an idiot. <laughs> but I love him so much either way, you know. He's, he was so, in, I mean, he was just such a big part and 
him believing in us. Oh my God, I want to tear up thinking about it. But um, no, so we, uh, we <laughs> I will never forget, we got the, so we, we had only installed dispensers on draft boxes, which are, are coolers with the kegs directly underneath, a kegerator, if you will. Sure, yeah. Um, the, at the Thomas and Mac, uh, it's a long draw system, which means the kegs are in a, in a cool room 150 feet away, and the dispensers are up on the bar. This is the first time we'd ever done an install like that, and we thought it was the same. Why wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, not the same. So when you've got liquid traveling in a line uh, over 150 feet, it's traveling at a certain velocity. When it stops, it creates this hammer effect, water water hammer effect. They make mm-hmm. dampeners for, you know, mm-hmm. people hear their pipes clunking in their house. That's what's happening, mm-hmm. is the liquid is stopping in a line, but the liquid still has momentum, and that momentum moves things. Yes. Well, it was, there's a little valve inside our dispenser, and it was, when it would, when it would shut off, the water hammer effect would actually shove the plunger through the aperture where it seals and just seize it up, and it wouldn't work anymore. Oh, no. And, I mean, it was, it was the day before the event. We'd been there three days trying to do this install, and we had ripped all our old beer system out, and we're trying to put ours in, and it just won't work. It absolutely won't work. We were, we were sleep deprived. We were tired. I'm sitting up against the bar. I, I, tears are like starting to just slide down my face. Like I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, we, we have to stop. Let's go back to the hotel, get some sleep, and reconvene in the morning. Um, we reconvened in the morning, and we came up with this nonsense. Uh, but we ran. We ran beer lines up the inside of the keg room wall uh, in a T, so that air in that line would be the water hammer preventer. Mm-hmm. Um, it worked. It worked, and then we went back and we were able to redesign the valve um, to to accommodate what we needed. I went back. Uh, I went back. It, so, also, this is a ship and test. Ship and test. When you're a startup and you don't have money to get it perfect uh, before you can sell it. This is what you do. There's no other option, right? We didn't have money to develop to perfection. Um, we uh, so we went back, got it right. Um, anyway, w- oh, what I was saying was, each one of those dispensers, there were uh, six of them. I did the math on it. There, they they had cost us like twenty five thousand dollars each. By the time we replaced them fully uh, two years ago. So we, we went in and we're like, thank you for putting up with all that bullshit. Yes. Here is Here's this. brand new equipment for everything wow. that you've ever wanted to put bottoms up on. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Was... That's fast. Man, that's awesome. So that's I, there, there were times to, uh, the celebration was, the, there have been little celebrations, but you're so down in the trench. And I've had this, uh, I've had the experience that it feels like every time we get a big win and I, I stand up to go, woo the second I stand up, something just kicks me right in the goddamn balls. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's just one kick to the balls right, right. after the next. So. Right. Well, it, you know, it's just, it, it, keep, it keeps you humble. It keeps you, hey, we appreciate the gratitude, but we're going to go ahead and punch you in the dick now. And then, uh, <laughs> exactly. And, and then that's what being an entrepreneur is, yeah. just getting punched in the dick over and over ah, and over well, again. So. That's good, good to know. <laughs> 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 the future business owners out there. So don't do it. That's my advice. That that is the advice from Josh Springer. <laughs> Stay the hell away. Uh, what got you? Speaking of not doing stuff, so it's already hard enough to be a business owner. What man? What got you into stand up comedy? Why did you do? Or why are you doing stand up? So and I don't mean it like why are you doing stand up? Like what? Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, some of my investors have said it that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, so this is the, I used to have lots of things that I did. I, 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 I'm a pretty good pinstriper, like painting. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the sheet metal work. I did all these things, sign making. Like I am a very creative person. Um, I love public speaking. Uh, so well, first how I got into it was Scott Long, who I believe yeah, you know, I know Scott, Scott Long yeah. asked Nikki and I to do the celebrity stand-up event that he does for his charity um, that I can't remember the name of, so I'm going to sound like an asshole. But um, anyway, uh, I'll remember it as soon as this podcast is over. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, he asked us to do that, and I'm like, sweet. Always wanted to do, I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy. It's just mm-hmm. something that's been on the bucket list. Everybody mm-hmm. has it on their bucket list. A lot of people do. Um, I do the celebrity event and just crush. I mean, just cr- crush. It was, it was awesome. And then I'm like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm gonna go to the next open mic and do it again. I went to the next open mic and I ate so much dick. <laughs> I mean, I was an unbelievable amount of dick that I just, I, wow, it was amazing. Just crickets in the audience. Maybe one sympathy laugh. And I got on stage and I'm like, this is it. This is it. This is it. <laughs> this is it. I like this. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm a I'm a problem solver. Right. I have to, I cannot have yeah. that be the way that went. You know what I mean? I lo- I love it so much. I love stand up so much. It is one of the most fun, most liberating things I've ever done. It's it's such a blast. And it's such a great relief from from this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love yeah. I love what I do. I get up every I bounce out of bed in the morning and come here to work, but it's all I do. I mean, it's it's that was it for the last eleven years. It is all I've done. There's been uh, Nikki made me go on a vacation last year, made me, like, and drug me on it. Like <laughs> it was that's this is it. So this is the first time I've had a hobby in a long time, and it's a great it's a great stress reliever. It's it's fun to play with. It's fun to experiment with. And once you, I mean, you know, once you get comfortable on stage, the stuff you can do, and it's it's just so much fun. It, it is so much fun. And then and then when the crowd is, is rocking and they're on board with you and you're getting the laughs, I don't know if for me if the, if there's a better better feeling. So I like it when they're not like that. So it's fun when they are like sure, that. But sure. But I like the pain of. I don't know if I'm a masochist. In I that think way. so. I love I love it when a crowd isn't laughing because now I get to try to make them laugh. Right. You know I'm not I'm, I I don't go at comedy like uh, I never I never blame the audience, ever, 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 mm-hmm. ever. I will say the crowd was tight and that's all you'll get out of me because sometimes they are sometimes it's just mm-hmm. tough to make them laugh, but it's my job it's my job to make them laugh and if I don't make them laugh I didn't do my job and I need to come up with something that can make them laugh. So it's that's what I, I don't know. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, very good. And I think that I think that same mindset was what is what makes you a successful uh, business owner, and then uh, uh, makes you fun to watch on stage. Man, it was so it was so cool for me because I uh, did an open mic about a year ago with you. Yeah, I can't believe it's been that long. At, at, at Crackers, and I'm like, oh shit, Josh is here. That's 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 awesome. And then and then to uh, share the stage with you, and I and I had so much fun uh, watching it. And it'd been a, a while hey, well, before I had. Why aren't come. you doing it? It's it's a it's a timing thing right now because my shift that I work with my with my real job uh, gets in the way of that. Um, that being said, 
there are some opportunities that I have coming up this summer that I'm going to get back into it. If I could do something uh, with my career where the schedule could change, I would damn near do it every night if my if my wife would let me because you know, I've got, <laughs> yeah, I've, got that's two, another, I've got I've got two little kids at home. That's a whole other podcast. And the, women, yeah, the yeah. women in your life and stand up comedy. <laughs> like work was one thing, but now stand up yeah. comedy and, and kids and and little ones. Yeah, yeah, and then and, and I want to focus my energy on on being a good father as well. But I miss it, man. I, that's what I did when I was in L.A. Damn near every yeah. night, and I and I miss it. I miss it greatly. I miss it. That's that's my. Well, you're funny as shit. I my, mean, oh man, I I appreciate that. Thank you for that saying. That bit it. you got about the the thing you can do with your eye and shoot oh. a gun like that shit is fucking. <laughs> What's the one where you got like the guys passed out at the wheel? It's a hilarious bit. Oh, it's uh, let me see. That's been a while since I did it, I, and I don't do it anymore. Uh, you don't because, do that. Well, like, nah, it's, it's a little, I don't do uh, any law enforcement stuff anymore, just because the times are sensitive, and I don't want any. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just don't need any supervisors being like, well, you need, no, stop. But I'll tell them a bit here, because why not? So uh, this is years ago, I'm um, uh, um, I'm responding to a traffic accident where um, it's, it's in southern Indiana, uh, where a car uh, had pulled in front of a semi, and a semi just obliterated uh, this car, and. And I'm thinking the worst as I'm pulling up yeah. to it, and I'm like, oh my as gosh, and my, my my heart sinking down into my stomach, and oh no, and and I'm walking up to the car, and I'm trying to come up with a plan, and people are starting to gather around me, and I'm looking in the window, and I'm thinking this guy's gone, and as I'm as I'm just taking like two seconds to come up with a plan, okay, what what am I going to do here? And all of a sudden, he just pops his heads up, and turns and looks at me, and I'm like, yeah, God. <laughs> and just freaked out. And the first thing I, I thought was, oh, my God, thank God that this guy's alive. Thank God that he's going to be okay. And, and I don't uh, have to, you know, talk, request a chaplain so he can make a notification to a family. Whew. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that this man's okay. And my second thought was, is I'm so glad that I didn't think this guy was a zombie and shoot him <laughs> in the fucking head. <laughs> and that's how the joke goes. And... <laughs> And I don't know if that's appropriate in 2019, especially with all the uh I think it's tragedy. perfectly appropriate. <laughs> I don't <laughs> So, yeah, I, I uh Zombies are, didn't you watch Game of Thrones? That's a real deal. Uh, they're out there, man. <laughs> they're out there. They're out there. Well, hey, I uh I, it's about an hour long. Yeah. I know you I know you've got a lot to do, man. I, I really go weld some more shit. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time yeah. to do this. And Thank you for having me. Yeah, on. man, I, I really appreciate it. I'm gonna, uh, someone that's worthy of talking to. On a I, podcast, man, absolutely. So. Your, your story yeah. is is fascinating. So, where can uh, real quick, where can people find you on social media? Uh, uh, the Josh Springer on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Okay, and Bottoms Up has their... Um, uh, yeah, at Bottoms Up Beer on everything. I think it's at Bottoms Up Beer on everything. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you, man. Thank you so much. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Hey, listen, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individual and do not necessarily represent the views or policies of any agency, organization, or employer. Please don't fire me. Thanks again for listening.